How many of you, I just want to know by show of hands or excitement level, whatever, how many of y'all have Tampa Bay winning the Super Bowl tonight? Anybody? Got a few? All right, like six? How many of y'all have Kansas City winning tonight? Not very excited about it. I tell you what, if it were the Cowboys, I think we'd have some hooping and hollering. But Kansas City doesn't apparently know how to do it if you're excited with the jerseys on. I, I, I don't know. How many of y'all don't care at all? Like, you're, you're just there for the food. Like, I'm okay with that, too. I'm excited about the game because it's the end of the season. This is what people work for in the offseason. It's what all the training and experience and hard work and studying, discipline, it's what all comes together is for that moment to win the championship. Y'all know that? How many of y'all have ever won a championship? A few. Okay. Well, I want you to know something. This week, our church won a championship yet again. It's our men's softball championship. And so whenever you think about this, nothing says hard work, dedication, and championship than a bunch of old men who are out of shape getting out of there to play softball and winning. Can I get an amen from somebody on the softball team? Come on, Monty. We're the champs. We did it, y'all. Complete dedication to eating whatever we wanted, showing up, not practicing. But I tell you what, we won. We did it yet again, and I want you to know my contribution is I helped the team not forfeit like two or four games this year, and so I did it. I did my part. I showed up. That's all I did. I didn't help outside of being there, and so uh, we dedicated ourselves, and we won or we showed up and better than all the other bad teams. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly, but here's what I want you to know. We're champs, and tonight you're going to see one of Two teams become champions as well. For them, in all seriousness, it does take complete dedication and sacrifice. And they put all of their energy and effort, everything that they've done over the past, not just year, but years, get them to this point. It's a great thing. And today what we're going to be talking about is the dedication that Christ calls us to. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 8. We're going to be in verses 34 through 38. And as you're uh, turning there, there's a lot of things that have been going on. Jesus is kind of wrapping down his ministry or kind of getting to a point where he's about to die on the cross for our sins. There was just a feeding of the 4,000, not the 5,000. And Jesus follows it up by saying, who do people say I am? Peter makes this profession, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, yes, I am. And on this statement that I am the cross, I am the Christ. I will build my church. And then he continuing on and he says, if you want to be a part of my team, if you want a part uh, of what I'm doing, my kingdom, here are the marching orders. These are the instructions you need to be a part of my kingdom. And it says this, as we look at verse 34, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. And follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him Will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in glory of his Father with the holy angels? Now, there's a lot in this passage that we're going to unpack, but I want to start with the simplicity of the message that he is calling the crowd to himself. This is really, really important. 
Because Jesus had people who were devoted to him, who would follow him wherever he went. And then as he came into towns, people would come and want to see the show, right? They would want to see the people who, or the person who just fed 4,000 people. They heard, hey, there's a free lunch. I want to go be a part of it. There were people who were skeptical of Jesus, who knew that he was nothing more, nothing less than the son of a carpenter. And they would come. There were people who came who had been trying to live a holy and pleasing life. And then there were people who would never step foot in a church, in a synagogue. All kinds of people came. There was this crowd there, much like happens today. People hear the message. They might get invited to United Weekend, one weekend. They might get invited to church by a friend, and they're not exactly sure why they're here. They just know they got invited, and in this, Jesus speaks to them, and he says, if anyone, if anyone would come after me, he doesn't say those who are of a certain class or a certain race or a certain background or a certain privilege. He says, if anyone. He doesn't say those who have lived a good life and made good decisions. He says, if anyone, it doesn't matter how bad the decisions you made. It doesn't matter how bad the life you have lived. It doesn't matter where you come from, what your name is, if anyone. If anyone would come after me, this is an invitation for everyone to come and be a part of what God is doing. It is an invitation to every individual in the crowd to come around him and be a part of his work. If anyone would come after me. And then he does this thing to where he's laying the groundwork for what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying, look, if anyone wants to come after me, all you have to do is have absolute dedication. If anyone is going to come after me, all it takes is complete and total dedication to me. We don't understand this as a church. And I'm not saying First Baptist Rowlett. I'm just saying today in the 21st century, we have missed what it means to be fully and completely dedicated to Jesus Christ. He says, if anyone comes after me, it will take all of you. This is something that I hate to say a lot of times we've got to look outside the church world to understand what it means. Tonight you're going to see Patrick Mahomes play football. He is the most gifted passer maybe ever, but he's not the greatest. The greatest is Tom Brady. I don't care if you like him, love him, hate him, whatever you think about him. If you think he's nothing more than a no-good cheater, maybe so, but he wins more than anybody else. And at 43 years old, Tonight, he will be the oldest starting quarterback in the history of sports. Nobody is doing what he has done. This week, he got interviewed. And they said, Tom, how, how long are you going to go? He goes, if I can, I'll go, go past 45. My plan right now is to play past 45 years old. He goes, as long as I can completely dedicate myself in the offseason... As long as I can be fully devoted year-round to my health and to my physical strengthening and conditioning program, as long as I can do that, I will continue to play. He understands that in order for him to play this game, it takes everything. He doesn't get days off and weeks off. He has a nutrition program that he follows year-round. He has a strengthening and conditioning program. He follows year-round, and because he does this, because he is the most dedicated football player who has ever lived, and he has continued over longevity, over a long course of time, he will continue to play because he is fully dedicated. This is what Christ calls us to. We just miss it. 
We miss it because we like to say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He's full of grace and mercy, so I will follow him when it's convenient. Otherwise, I'm going my own way. And Jesus looks at us, and he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If anyone would, anyone, anybody can, but if anyone would, if anyone's going to make this choice, this is what it takes. He doesn't say, I want you to come to church and pray a prayer and call it good. He doesn't say, I want you to come to church, jump in the water and call it good. He says, if you want to be my follower, if you want to identify with me, this is what you've got to do. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. When we're talking about denying ourselves, we're not talking about for like a, a day or a week or a weekend or a moment. We're talking about to fully embrace what Christ calls us to. But what a lot of people choose to do is embrace themselves and excuse Christ, but the call to deny ourselves is to excuse ourselves from our choices and our decisions and our wants. When we talk about denying ourselves, it means that we will choose Christ over our own decisions. That instead of going our way, we will go the way of the cross. Instead of going the way that the crowd is going, we will take the road less traveled. Instead of going the, the way that is wide and easy that everyone else is going, we will choose the narrow path and we will choose Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We must decide against ourselves, against our wants and desires and say, Lord, what is it that you want from me? Because wherever you lead, I will go. And this is not easy, it's not always fun, it is never popular, it is usually a tough road. Whenever you think about this, to deny ourselves means that we will go against our natural inclination, our wants, and our desires. It means that in order to move in God's direction, we go against maybe what our, our peers are saying, right? For our high schoolers, you're going to get invited to parties. You're going to have the opportunity to, to drink. You're going to be around drugs, whether it's marijuana or cocaine or other. You're going to be in that environment. You're going to have those opportunities with your boyfriend or girlfriend to do things that don't honor God. You're going to have your opportunity to stay up and stay out all night on Saturday night. Man, many of you just like your parents and not make church a priority. But God's going to call you to something better. The easy thing is to go the way of the world. But the scripture tells us, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I, Jesus, has come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You can avoid a lifetime of regrets and mistakes and heartaches if you go the way of the cross. And it starts with a fundamental decision. To deny yourself. And accept and embrace what Jesus has for you. Many people just think that, man, I, I said a prayer, I'm good. Go to church occasionally. I even went to D now. Made my kids go to D now. I'm good. And it just gives me chills to think about the bigger picture of what happens in church. People want to check a box. And I'm afraid that there will be 
a long line of people who stand before Jesus one day. And they're ready to enter into heaven. And Jesus looks at them and he says what is said in Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? He's talking about preachers. People who are preaching the message, proclaiming the message, did, not, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Let's be fair. The majority of the church doesn't do any of this. But Jesus says there will be many who have done great things in his name. And Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. If we are going to deny ourselves, that means we embrace the calling that God has upon us, that we do the will of our Father who is in heaven. And what we can just really clearly ask ourselves right now is does your life look like one who embraces the will of the Father or do you embrace your own will and desires? People are like, Cole, man, that's not cool. Why are you trying to get me to question my salvation? What are you trying to do? Scare me. If we got to scare the hell out of you, let's scare the hell out of us. And let's embrace that which is better. If you look at your life and it doesn't reflect one who is following the will of your father, question everything and make the choice, because it is a choice to follow God. Not only must we deny ourselves, we must pick up our cross. The imagery that is seen here in this passage that we might miss today is what happened during a crucifixion. When someone was condemned to die in the Roman government, they would, they would see this, this beam, and they would have to pick up the beam, put it on their shoulder, and carry it to the place of their crucifixion. This was meant to wear down their body. It was part of this grueling process of killing people that the Romans had mastered. And it was usually a hard walk, a, a heavy beam. And they would carry it from where they were destined to pick it up, and they would go up to a hill or a road or wherever it was, and as they carried their beam, their bodies would begin to crumble underneath the weight of it, and they would usually get to the place of their crucifixion, drop it down, pass out. The Roman guards would then nail the beam to the post, and then they would nail the criminal to that cross. When Jesus is saying, what I want you to do, if you're going to be my followers, to deny yourself and pick up your cross, He's saying, I want you to embrace the idea of dying to self. I want you to willingly take up an instrument of death for me. Deny yourself and pick up your cross. But here's what happens today. Instead of embracing this idea of dying to self, people look at the cross that Christ has for them. Maybe not drinking a certain thing or going to a certain party or being around a certain people or making God's church and his kingdom and his will a priority and they look at it 
And they're like, I don't want to. And they simply step over the cross and they continue moving in their own direction. But what Jesus is saying is, whenever you see my cross, I want you to pick it up. I want you to step up to it. I want you to hold it and own it. But many people look at what Christ calls them to and they simply step over it. This is a sign of complete and total disrespect. In the sports world, if you're playing basketball, one of the most disrespectful things you can do, and really it's not just basketball. If you can get somebody on the ground, you just step right over them like they're not even there, like they're nothing. Allen Iverson was playing in the NBA Finals about 10, 15 years ago, and he made Tyrone Liu fall down. And he looked at him, didn't go around him, just kind of stepped over him. And if you pay attention, everybody in the background who sees it just looks because they know that he had disrespected Tyrone Liu. About four years ago, LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers were playing Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green fell down. And LeBron went to step over Draymond and Draymond wasn't having it. He pushed him, he swung at him, he kicked him, because he wasn't going to be disrespected. Our Jesus is not going to kick us, start a fight. He's going to give you the choice to live for him in obedience or to continue to disrespect him in the cross in which he died for you and ours. He's going to step over or step up to the cross. He says, you do this. You deny yourself. You pick up your cross and follow me. See, the call for us is, are we going to follow Jesus or are we just going to flee? Are we going to follow after him or are we going to go our own way? Because you can't have both. The call is to a choice. And please hear me in this, students. Please hear me in this, adults. That choice is a choice we all get to make ourselves. What are you going to choose? God is not going to force us, and he's not going to play games with us either. He is very upfront about the consequences of following him. As we go back to our text, verse 34 says, he calls a crowd, and he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Then verse 34. 35 says this, for whoever would lose his life for my sake, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And he says this, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return? For his life. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of our Father and of angels. What Jesus is doing here is he's letting everyone who is listening to him understand that there is a choice to be made. There is a choice to be made, and in this choice, there is a call to embrace the penalty and the price that comes from following Jesus. The price of following Jesus 
To carry your cross means that you will relinquish everything you have of yourself for the gospel. Right now in our society, you wear a cross and it is a a sign of your faith. I see many of them now, right? The cross of victory. Amen, anyone? Like, yeah, that's why I wear it. It gives me victory over life, victory over everything. Back in the time Jesus said this, there was no victory in the cross. The cross was a symbol of the most gruesome, painful, long-lasting death possible. There was no victory at all. It was only pain. When there was an uprising against the Roman Empire, when there was a city that would had these rumors that they were going to revolt against the Romans. What the Romans would do is they would line the streets with crucified men and women. Everything about the cross was negative. Everything about the cross represented loss of life. Everything about the cross was pain. And Jesus looks at his followers and he says, if you're going to follow after me, you must take the way of the cross. You must take the way of pain and hardship. There's no easy sell here. He's not here to say, hey, if you follow me, you're going to have your best life now. He doesn't look at us and say, hey, guys, if you follow me, you're going to be the most popular person in high school. You're going to love it. Everybody's going to love you. Everybody's going to want to be around you. He says, if you follow me, you choose a way of certain death. Never candy coats what it means to follow after him. He says, in this life, you will have troubles. And if you think you're going to have everything, just remember the words that he said, that foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus always gives us this clear indication that a life lived for him will include strife. He never promised his followers a life without strife. And here's what what we need to understand in this. When he says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? What he's saying is, you need to understand the price that is to be paid here. It will be difficult in this life. You will be passed over for your jobs. You will be excluded from your friend group. You will be left out if you follow me. But what does it profit for you to have everything you want in this life and miss out on the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Whenever we have that passage in John 10, the the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That abundant life is a life filled with joy. That in the midst of trials and hardship that we can have hope. Is that in Christ, our life is better. And whenever he calls us to follow up and to give up everything for him, he does so knowing that the victory is found not just in this life, but the life to come. And it all goes back to this point. What call are you going to make? What choice are you going to make? What are we going to make in this? Jesus isn't going to look at you and say, All right, I like your hair. I like what you're doing. You have to follow me. Jesus looks at the crowd and says, it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your name is, what color of skin you have, what your education level is. He says, if anyone wants to come after me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. You make the choice. And if you choose Jesus, it starts 
with knowing in your mind, believing in your heart, and confessing with your mouth that Christ is your Savior and Lord. We take on the Simon Peter mentality and we look at Jesus and say, you are my master. And whenever we confess Christ as Lord and Savior, we relinquish our rights and we abandon things of this world. We no longer become consumed with having the next car or the nicer house or more money or more girlfriends or more relationships or more stuff. We abandon things of this world and we cling on to Christ and his call that he has for us. We choose Jesus over things of this world. We choose Jesus over popularity. We choose Jesus over position and prominence. We abandon things of this world. In this passage, he talks about how if we deny him, then we will be denied. And he talks about how we must proclaim for the gospel's sake this message that we must be ambassadors of the good news. For whoever would save his life must lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. He's making an indication here of what they're supposed to do with the gospel. That they are not only to receive, but they are to share that they pass on the message. This is why the imagery was so pertinent to what they were thinking. This is why it's so relevant. He says, listen, if you receive me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross. He's saying, if you follow me, death could come. Not just in this idea of generalizations of you giving up your wants, like a literal physical death would come to the early church. If they denied Rome's power, if they denied Caesar as a god, if they denied cowering or, or bowing to the will of their oppressors and worshiping false gods, they could die. And he says, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, you must be willing to lay down your life for my sake. Meaning when you get pressed, that you will have no shame in the gospel. When you get pressed, you will let your world know that you belong to Jesus. Today is Friends Day in our church. For the past month, we have been encouraging our church to invite their friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, strangers to church. Whether they come in the building or they watch online. The call for Jesus, the call from Jesus, is to let your world know that Jesus saved. For the early church, they knew that if they answered this call, it would and could most likely end up in the loss of their life. But he gives this picture as he ends this challenge that if we deny him, we'll be denied in heaven. But there's the opposite that is true. That if we embrace Jesus, if we answer that call in front of God and his angels in heaven, God will recognize us. Jesus will receive us. There will be no more tears, no more crying, no more shame. We will be embraced by our great God and Savior. And it is the idea that we want to live this way to where when we get to heaven, Jesus looks and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. We need to latch on to glory. We need to, with everything in our might, cling to the idea that we will get to experience God in his fullness when we die. That death will lose its sting 
And that whatever suffering and sacrifices that we might have to make for Jesus in this life are nothing compared to the immeasurable glory that we get to experience with God when we get to heaven. And what this does is it provides confident hope, confident expectation, confident anticipation of the life that is to come. That when we are no longer breathing in this life and we exit earth, that we will embrace and encounter Jesus, the fullness of his. And what I love is we get to answer this call individually. How will you answer? Will you in this moment say, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior?